Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, Save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor together. A great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with consolations I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water, in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. A Gospel reading from the 10th chapter of Mark. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. So we have spent the last three weeks, believe it or not, reading Mark 10. And sometimes when these stories get read aloud in church, we don't always think about the bigger picture. We might not realize the connection of, oh, we just read the passage before that last week and before that the week before. So just a refresher, two weeks ago we we heard a story about a rich man asking for something. He wants something from Jesus. So he asks Jesus directly. He's he's like, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, follow all the commandments. And so the rich man's like, sweet, I've done that. Good, awesome. I've been keeping these since my youth. So Jesus looks at him, perceives like maybe he doesn't quite fully get this. And the, the scripture even says, and Jesus looks at him and loves him. But he adds a small, tiny, tiny little detail. He says, well, but you lack one thing. You've got to go sell what you own, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Whew. That's not what the rich man expects or wants to hear. Can you just imagine if this guy would actually do that, right? Following the laws, it's not enough. It's kind of deeper than that. It's about what's in our heart. It's about letting go of what we are attached to, which is tough, isn't it? I mean, like, think about it. Those are the challenges that we face each and every day. It's how we are called as disciples. We ask ourselves, what are we putting first? 
So at Faith, two weeks ago, we started talking about what matters to our congregation. What do we care about and how are we going to invest that in our ministry, especially looking towards 2022? And so the following weeks, like last week and this week and the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about, well, what are some of those things that we are investing in? What do we care about? And so last Sunday, of course, again, we had James and John. So this is the next story in Mark 10. And James and John asked Jesus for something. They, they want something. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, they say to Jesus, grant us to sit, one, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And I can only imagine Jesus' response, something akin to, this, like face palm, like, my goodness, guys, we just talked about this with the rich man. Didn't you get it? The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And then we heard from the eighth grade boys. They were processing this whole story and thinking about, well, what's going on with refugees around the world? And, and we flipped the story. And, and Daniel, their, their guide, flipped the story to make them say, well, what if the Canadians invaded America and you had to go to Afghanistan? And what the guys were able to share was really important because they started talking about relationships, being a good friend, and how important those were to being a good servant. And so when Jesus asks us what we want, maybe our response isn't quite what we were thinking. Maybe what's going on in these stories gets us to think a little bit because those answers might actually surprise us. So what does happen then in a story where the next story in this sequence, when someone without power, without prestige, without any real agency as a voice in the crowd starts asking for something, how would Jesus respond to that request? Well, Jesus says to Bartimaeus, he says, what do you want me to do for you? There's that question again. The same question he asked the disciples. What do you want me to do for you? And we get this confession. The blind man says, my teacher, let me see again. It's simple, but it's, it's very clear that he understands what Jesus can do. And he understands that Jesus is able to have the power to heal him. And so Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regains his sight. And he followed Jesus on the way. Where's the way? Where, where are they going? That's why the sequence is really important, because all of Mark 10 is leading us up to this very pivotal moment in the story of Mark 11. I know, right? 11 comes after 10. What happens in Mark 11? Jesus is on the way somewhere to Jerusalem, to the cross, to his death. I find it to be an unexpected outcome that in these three stories of the rich man and the two disciples and this blind beggar, that the person who gets lifted up and is acknowledged by Jesus for having faith, it's the blind beggar. And maybe that's trying to show us literally something. Faith Lutheran, we have a history here. We have had a long history of doing and talking about, talking about and doing important ministry around homelessness. 
I think about some of the conversations that I used to have with Gwen Hansen and how Gwen was very instrumental in establishing a Forest Lake ministerial group to be able to, to say, what can we do to provide some shelter, to provide housing for families? And that eventually led to the Hugo Family Shelter. I think about how this congregation has had volunteers go now to that Hugo Family Shelter who've done walking with a purpose, who have helped out at the America Inn in town to walk, uh, to walk with Washington County. I, I love hearing the stories of people who've uh, knit quilts or masks or hats or baked items or served meals or donated items to our homeless neighbors or have bought or assembled a mana pack that they've been able to give to somebody who is homeless. Faith Lutheran homeless ministry is in our DNA. It is who we are. It's what we care about. It's one of the most important things that we do around here. And so that isn't surprising that in January of 2020, Faith Lutheran voted to move into this next phase of discernment about what it would look like at Faith Lutheran to provide tiny houses on our property for homeless neighbors, that they would live here and there would be an emphasis then on uh, veterans to be able to live in some of these houses. And the opportunity was provided thanks to a very generous gift from our own uh, Chuck Tollefsrud. What could it look like now, Faith, to directly, like literally directly support our neighbors and be in community with them? And then, I don't know if you heard about it, but a pandemic struck. And a lot of that work that was going on and a lot of that work that was happening screeched to a a slower pace. Now, a lot of work has still been happening behind the scenes. And a lot of that work has had to kind of stay behind the scenes as we've been waiting and, and just waiting for opportunities. But faith, while we aren't ready to move yet with a sacred settlement has done a lot of work to make sure that this process has continued to flourish, that the Holy Spirit continues to be at work, that we are partnering with other churches and with other organizations to be able to make this happen. And so I wanted you to hear from someone who has been doing a lot of that work. Colleen Deemer was elected on that, uh, during that annual meeting at the end of January. She was elected on a five-person committee of this development team to do this work. And she's going to give us an update on what is new with homeless ministry here at Faith Lutheran. Today, our, our special guest is Colleen Deemer, who is a member of the Sacred Settlement Development Team that was formed at our annual meeting in 2020, at the end of January, when uh, we had the vote to uh, go forward with talking about what a sacred settlement could look like here at Faith Lutheran. It's been 18 months. Uh, I think everybody's, you know, I get a lot of questions of like, hey, what's, what's up with the tiny houses or where are we at? Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're also going to just talk a little bit about just homelessness in general uh, here in Forest Lake and what, what the uh, sacred settlement development team has been learning, what they've been doing, and then talking a little bit about the future. So Colleen, thank you so much for being here for all of the things that you have been doing as well. Uh, it's, been, it's been really uh, powerful to see that transformational work. Uh, give us a little bit of an a update. What, what's going on? What, what have you been noticing? Sure. Well, a lot has transpired uh, in the last year and a half. And just as very recent news, it's really exciting to share. Um, We've got a photo here on October 3rd. uh, David Doran, who is the veteran for whom Faith built and sponsored the tiny home that was here on our property last Christmas, uh, outdoors near the Nativity area, uh, was recently honored on the field of the Vikings game as one of the hometown heroes alongside several uh, members of the leadership team of Settled. And so I just think as we kind of look back on all that's transpired, 
transpired, uh, the role that we as a, as a faith community played early on in the process in building that home for David and to see his journey now being honored uh, in such a beautiful way as well as now he's actually literally walking alongside others who are experiencing homelessness uh, from, from his uh, position now. So just a really beautiful story of how we've come full circle and how all of those efforts, those seeds uh, continue to, to bear good fruit. That's beautiful. Uh, that house actually inspired an artist from the community who has been walking along with Settled. Uh, you can see this on the table in front of us. Uh, he brought, he hand-delivered this this week, and he wanted us to be able to have this. This is, is uh, his rendering. It's a woodblock rendering of the house that we built as a congregation for David. Uh, so very exciting. Uh, one, that house isn't here at Faith Lutheran. Hopefully, where do, where do we anticipate that house is going to go and I ask that more of a sense of, at one point, Faith was kind of the, the leader out in, in, in the front. Uh, one of the things that we're seeing now is other churches are, are coming along and saying, hey, this is something we could do. Tell us a little bit more about Mosaic uh, Christian Community. Absolutely. So Mosaic is located on the east side of St. Paul uh, and will be the first local sacred settlement here in the state of Minnesota. So a lot of great work at Mosaic. They have completed all of their common space renovations. So they've got a a shower facility, laundry, cooking facilities available for the residents. They've been grading the land uh, just this past week. They got a new grading permit from the city of St. Paul in preparation for moving those homes on site. And uh, frankly, it's been really helpful to really walk alongside and learn a lot from Mosaic through their process. So as we as a development team have looked at, you know, kind of, hey, what could this look like for other sites uh, in the future? What's the ideal design for a tiny home? What's the ideal footprint for a common space? And there's really a spectrum of options, right? So we received a lot of great feedback from the congregation in the form of the survey uh, and other forms really around things like water and plumbing and what types of facilities were most critical to have in a communal space. And so seeing how Mosaic has navigated those on their journey and what is working well for them, uh, I think is really going to be beneficial to other congregations. The other cool part is we have seen a lot of other churches come alongside in this work, not only in sponsoring additional tiny homes, but in attending training sessions. So at Mosaic, there were four training sessions held over the summer to really train up a new group of people interested in in the advocacy side of the work that was attended by several of our members here at Faith, along with folks from Trinity Lutheran and Stillwater, Crossroads Covenant Church just up the road in Columbus, mm-hmm. and a number of other local congrega- uh, congregations. So really a cool local uh, collaboration uh, in the space. Uh, oftentimes people will say, hey, what's up with the tiny houses mm-hmm. at, at Faith? Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe it would be helpful to, to kind of get a sense of the pivot and maybe even just where, where are we going, how are we going uh, forward, and, and where, where's the development team kind of sensing that right now? Sure. Well, I think early on, right, a number of members had the chance to tour Little Peach. If you remember way back, we had a, a model home here on our property that folks toured, uh, and it's very small home, but some of the feedback we got is, gosh, you know, there's, there's a couple elements. If we could build out just a bit more, uh, might even be more helpful and, and feel more comfortable um, in terms of having a space like that on our land. Specifically, right, having um, true plumbed toilets, right, uh, in the units themselves, potentially having microwaves, maybe just a little bit more space in the tiny home. And then the other pivot that I think we've learned about is in some uh, initial discussions around design, the thought was a standalone common house might be best utilized for shower facilities, laundry, etc. And I think what we've learned is, one, it's, it's quite costly to create a new standalone building 
which of course makes a lot of sense. But also there's a lot of elements there um, that, that could potentially you know, be, be utilized of existing space. What we saw Mosaic do as an example was utilize a very small portion of their common area to put in uh, a shower stall area, a little bit of a built out in the kitchen space, and a top and bottom washer dryer. So rather than a standalone building, they did some pretty minor re uh, renovations for a fairly low cost that was funded through other partnership churches and perfectly meets the needs of a very small community of four to six homes. So something like we thought, something like that we thought could work well um, either at a church like faith or at other uh, faith communities in the area. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. It could be a church like faith. We, we certainly could do this, I, but I also think uh, part of that pivot is knowing, uh, seeing some of these other churches being able to make this happen yeah. and, and watch and learn from them. Uh, yeah. And then also for our church to walk alongside some of these churches and say, hey, we've also done some of this work and some research. Here's how we can help you. Uh, for our congregation to know that it's still not, it's not very imminent. It won't be happening. There won't be a settlement here like in 2022 at the beginning of January, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, but these conversations are still happening. We want this work to still be in front of our congregation. We want them to know, hey, these are some of the ways that we're, we're uh, feeling led by the Spirit on this and knowing that there's a chance that this could happen at, at some point. But also uh, excited how we can walk alongside others. Are there any other upcoming events that faith could potentially uh, be part of that, that if people really like to get their hands dirty and want to be part of this that you'd recommend folks going to? I'm so glad you asked, Pastor John. We have a build opportunity coming up on Saturday, November 6th uh, at Woodland Hills Church. So in the parking lot of Woodland Hills, three new tiny homes already funded by other faith communities, already framed, and we are looking for some hands and feet uh, to help in the construction work. So if you're interested, take a look at the weekly emails. Saturday, November 6th, we would love to get a group of folks out from faith to help build out the next round of tiny homes. Hope to see you there. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's really exciting to see all of this uh, that's happening. And, and, and if this is something you'd like to be part of and want to help us with the build, uh, reach out to Colleen. Maybe come to craft fair in the morning and, and go help build the house in the afternoon. We have uh, so many needs of people to be able to come and help that day. Uh, Colleen can help you know where to go, what to bring, and what time to arrive at Woodland Hills. But as you could see, there's more to come. This ministry takes some time, and we are committed to doing it the right way. But I, I can already tell that we're making a difference. Our church has made a difference. And this ministry has opened up my eyes in so many ways. In fact, my, my eyes have been opened even as I'm listening to her talk again. I noticed something where it kind of like hit me over the head after I reflected on our conversation. Something that I kind of blew right past during the conversation. And I was like, wow, wait a minute. She was actually trying to tell me something. I was blind, but... Now I see. Uh, she talks about David, right? Like David, a veteran man who experienced chronic homelessness, is now one of the, the hometown heroes up on the Jumbotron at US Bank Stadium. He's one of the guys on the team with Jeff and Ann and Todd. And now he's walking along the way. What a powerful way to be reminded that the love of Christ can be very transformational. So what is it that we want Jesus to do for us? Maybe, again, the answer isn't 
about what Jesus is doing, but what we are actually learning, what we are actually being called into. How when we follow Jesus' his advice to go and do likewise, we can't help but be transformed. You see, when we do that, when we go on that path, it's pretty eye-opening to see God's work firsthand. Then we get to see the good news. We are transformed too. We are the stewards that get to care for God's abundance. And we get to share that love with the world through our faith. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.